0: This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. It is tēnā and welcome to Nathan Wallace. Kia ora e Kia ora, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Today, neuroplasticity educator and parenting expert Nathan Wallace is talking about COVID lockdowns and getting children back to a normal routine ahead of getting back to Mm -hmm. school. There have been big breaks uh, and we welcome him on that subject now. Uh, So, look, let's look at it. How long has it been away from school for some children, Nathan? Goodness.
1: Well, we're in week seven now,
0: is it? Yeah. So,
1: that's a long time. It's a long time away from school.
0: A long time away and added to some of the earlier breaks as well. How does it affect children, I guess, at different ages and different stages of their schooling?
1: Yeah, absolutely it does. You know, it's very stage dependent. I think the one good thing about COVID is that we're all in it together. So, you know, when a a trauma, if you like, or some sort of big deal is shared together, it tends to be less traumatic because everyone's going through the same thing. So, yeah, but it is very dependent on age. I mean, I think if you're in the first year of life, lockdown's a huge gift. Your parents are trapped at home with you for the first year, you know, for for all those weeks. And you're in the first year of life and that's really, really good for you. If you're a teenager though, you're very focused on being social, you're very focused on your peers. So that lockdown would be very difficult.
0: Is that social break Uh, With peers and that distance from peers, a recurring theme, and and actually quite possibly for children, even at primary school age, certainly middle to upper primary school age, right? They're really locked into some quite intense friendships and and a social scene.
1: Yeah, they are, um, but they're able to maintain those friendships. You know, they do have the social media and they've got the phone. So it's really just that, you know, not having face to face. But I don't think there's going to be a huge harm, you know, to them overall because it is a shared. To experience and it is only one set period of time. You know, we do go back to normal.
0: What are some of the other issues they would have had? Uh, anxiety about schooling, some disengaging, I guess, from the idea of schooling. Again, it's a very individualised response. But what else might you be expect to be coping yep. with as a parent at this stage?
1: I mean, you're right about the disengagement. If the child was already sort of half disengaged and now feels like it's all sort of you know gone to muck, that could completely disengage them. I think for parents, though, to be concerned beyond what's normal, because we expect kids to transition. You know, we we I would say be tolerant for the next you know week or so as they move back into those routines. But if you're concerned about your child, the things to look for really are you know I think isolation when they cut themselves off from everybody else, and it's not just from you but from everybody. Um, and they do that for a sustained period of time. You know, if their sleep cycles are hugely interrupted, um, their eating cycles, are, you know, eating habits are hugely changed. Those are the signs to look for. if parents are worried but i think other than that just remember for for most of our kids ritual is our friend really ritual really helps the brain really likes ritual because it gives you predictability so you think about what are the rituals that you usually do when you're going to school and i'd also encourage people to think about what other things that come up during lockdown or new rituals that you like that you want to incorporate into your you know into your new normal as you go back to school so that we're kind of celebrating aspects of lockdown it can be really easy to catastrophize the whole thing and um and that doesn't really help or serve our kids i think they're going to remember it for the rest of their lives so if you can possibly frame it in a positive way look at the positive aspects that happened during lockdown we played a whole lot more um, family board games which we hadn't done for a long time um yeah
0: and even just little things like having time to be outside in and around your house instead of coming home from school and going straight into your after-school activities and then going into your homework. The education, the whole education experience was so much simpler and looser in a way that some educators, including you, um, call for more play.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's what I mean about seeing the positive side of it. the kids have got much more hands-on they've learned that learning is much more than just sitting in the classroom there's lots of different ways to learn so yeah there's silver lining to every cloud
0: let's look at um some of what you're going to have to do for for preparation though uh and the rituals are one of them you mentioned sleep it may be that as for workers the days drifted a little bit later the start day might have drifted a little (laughs) bit later should you be starting in advance of going back to school and trying to get good luck with it perhaps <laughs> trying to get yeah. back into into a kind of a uh, a bit more of a routine we've had daylight saving pop up at the same time of course as well
1: yep yeah, absolutely i mean that circadian rhythm getting that back online is a big cornerstone of well-being, So, yeah, help them out with that by, you know, reminding them that it's nine o'clock and you're going to have to um, head off to bed soon. Reminders um, help, you know, predictability. It's things being sprung on kids that don't uh, that are difficult. Also, you might have to help them wake up in the morning because, I mean, I'm the same as them. My wake cycle has drifted during lockdown, so I wake up later. So they might need a little bit of help. So if you want them to get up at half 7, maybe that means, you know, for the next week or so, going in at 7 and giving them a gentle wake up to say, mate, you've got to get up in half an hour you know, to help take them out of that deep sleep. I just encourage, you know, you want those routines, but just help them with those routines as they transition over the next couple of weeks.
0: What about anxiety about returning to school? I think we touched on this in another interview I was doing recently. When, When you've been out of the workforce for a while, it's a hell of a mental step sometimes just to go back. It just feels daunting. When you're in it, it's a routine. And that can be the same also with school. Is it going to feel like a little bit of a mountain? Is there going to be some of almost like the first day anxiety back again? And and how do you address that?
1: Yeah, I think there will be for a lot of kids. I mean, a lot of kids will just be, you know, busting to get back to school. So you get a whole array of individual responses. But, yeah, a bit of anxiety and more anxiety than we usually see as normal. I think... um, know for those kids like i said we don't want to catastrophize it so try and frame it as being positive but you have to validate you know we've talked lots about validating teenagers and kids feelings because their world's so emotional so you know always use that recipe of um try and be positive but when when they do express anxiety about things you need to validate those emotions first don't tell them that they're not relevant or don't be silly or try this instead you have to say okay i hear that this is how that is for you so that sounds like you know you got a bit, you're a wee bit scared about starting back at school and getting back into the routines. Validate those emotions. But then always finish it off with a positive statement that tells them what they can do or refers to a time when they've had a similar challenge and they've been successful. So now, for this one, it might be just be, yeah, I remember all of us feeling that way the last time we went out of lockdown and we had to go back into school. It was, you know, um, had a wee bit of anxiety about that. But at, but then refer to the fact that you we were successful with that. We-, when we talk about a time they faced a challenge. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, sorry, just talk about a time they've been successful um, and remind them of their success.
0: We've got different personalities and different approaches to learning and different concepts as learners to deal with as well. We talked about the kids who are disengaged. Others might be anxious that they've fallen behind um, and they're not going to catch up or they're going to w- w- you know, worry about yep. tests when they get back or whatever. Let's start first with the disengaged. What can you do... Um, to get them past the sense of hopelessness now that it might have been hard beforehand and now it's hopeless, what's the way you can talk to them?
1: Well, I think, go back to that thing that it's a shared experience for everybody else that is really reassuring to them that they're not isolated in this, that every other kid in the country has had the same amount of t- time off, so you are sort of on a level playing field. Um, yeah, that's what I would be emphasizing. It's really hard to get kids who are disengaged re engaged. Um, so you've really got to try and do 90% of the for them. You know, what can you do to get them more positive about school? We've talked about the fact you can make sure their sleep cycle, that they're eating properly, that they're sleeping properly. I would make them a special meal, their favourite meal, you know, the night before so that it's ritualised in a positive way. Um, I'd be really tolerant in that first week and let them know you're going to be tolerant. So, yeah, it's an adjustment going back to school. I think if they go back next week, is there any talk of them going back next week? Because they'll go back one week and then have the holidays, won't they? So that could be, that could be a positive one too. If you say, you've only got to go for a week and then you get to, you know, you've got one week to adjust to it and then you get um, a holiday to come home again. So yeah, Yeah. that should help a whole lot with the disengage (laughs) Now i got one week, a finite amount of time is is a whole lot easier. Even if they don't go back into after the holidays and they're going back for a long time, I would still break it into blocks like that. Just talk about, well, just see how you go for the first day. You know, we'll talk about it after the end of the first day Then see how you go after the first week. You know, I just think do anything you can to make it easier for them, to ritualise it for them.
0: For the earnest and, um, you know, very, I can't think of the word I'm after, um, conscientious yeah. child who's worried about their falling falling behind. Yeah. And this can happen. Obviously, we've had some um, decisions made about NCEA um, yes. marks and, and concessions, I guess. But it can also happen for, you know, the really onto it sort of 13-year-old or 14-year-old or 12-year-old, for that matter, who, li- who really likes that sort of sense of being able to plan and and, and tick their boxes. Yeah, and being on top of things. Exactly, and and like to be organised, and that's been disrupted for them. Again, how can you reassure? Um, I
1: suppose I would go to those those super organised students and talk about how part of being really organised is also knowing how to deal with disruption, that systems, you know, most systems are going to be disrupted, and we can set up a system, but a really good system is one that we know how to deal with when it's disrupted. So sort of give them a system. Give them a project. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, well, you know, how have you managed this? How have you got through um, online when you're talking other chat groups and things with other similar students? What sort of things have they been doing? Um, I think it's just reassuring them that, again, we're all in the same boat and that all those other students have also dealt with the same thing. So, yeah, I think just reassure them about the organisation that they have done. Remind them of the success they've had because most of those students have been working quite hard during lockdown. They haven't fallen behind. The students that tend to be be pretty hard on themselves tend to be the ones that have done the most work, there's, so maybe reminding them of that.
0: Yeah. there's a lot of um been a lot of talk about fear and, of course, we are all constantly updating, too many of us and too much, actually, updating every step of what's happening there. There's changing yeah. conversation now about the change of strategy and moving from elimination into accepting cases and what that might do for hospitals. Kids are going to be absorbing all this. How do you wrestle them again yeah. about real fear about this COVID thing And going back out there again and back to school, what are the sorts of conversations we want to have?
1: Yeah, I think that's what I meant about not catastrophising. Because, you know, kids very much, their life's about the story. And so you want them for the rest of their life to have a story about COVID that was about the family spending more time together, playing board games. And a lot of that is about how we frame it. So we don't want to be framing it in a negative way. Um, The... Sorry, Catherine, I lost track well, of the question. I was asking
0: if they've been reading and, uh, you know, absorbing all these daily updates of cases and now we're going back and yep. the strategy's changing and we might have more people in hospital. How, we how are we that. dealing with that story?
1: Yeah, because we have so much anxiety with um, teenagers that really that's adding to the anxiety. So, you know, in my household, I don't watch the news every hour because I find it's just repeating the same thing and it's just that negativity coming in. You don't need that to stay informed. So, yeah, I would try and keep that, keep the kids away from that. Don't be having their updates on every hour. Put it in a historical context for them. I mean, they haven't lived through, you know, a a sort of a a catastrophe necessarily like this before. Um, But let them know, you know, historically, every generation has had the uh, things that are individual to that generation that they've had to deal with. And that again and again, you know, we've come out on top of that. And the previous generations have dealt with a lot lot worse than lockdown. Um, So, yeah, letting them know that you're pretty confident that it's all going to be all right, that we're handling this well.
0: I think that's the main uh, thing. One person's actually said she's yep. found it interesting to talk to older folk who went through the polio lockdown in the later 1940s. Um, uh, so whether you can find a, a reference for that, or and again, you don't want them then Googling that, do you? <laughs> but it's more, no, no, that's it's right. It's more framing this as something that happens every now and then, and it's hard, but we all get together and we all overcome it. It's constantly trying to make yeah. that the main narrative, right? That's right.
1: Just Just pointing out just how resilient humans are we've dealt with a lot worse than us before um
0: yeah. an interesting so question here for you how do, this is from a, an emailer how does seeing adults wearing face masks affect five-year-old children as they can't see their full expressions
1: yeah that's a really good point because there's the message that the children are getting I mean they normalize it at five but yeah it does make communication a whole lot more difficult they rely very much on facial expressions so I suppose all of us compensate a little bit because we probably use a little bit more gesture, a little bit more expression in our voice. But I mean, it's a good point. If you're talking to a five-year-old and you don't need to have a mask on, it's going to be a whole lot more effective to take that mask off. But it's not like we're wearing masks all the time and in home. It's just out in public transport and stuff. So it shouldn't have a huge impact on the five-year-old at the current race that we're wearing. But it's a good point. It does make a difference.
0: This one alludes to what we were already touching on, which is for those who are... Um... Extremely anxious about the actual pandemic itself, and Mike says, "I wonder yes. whether the whole COVID and death aspect has an impact on younger people." Um, it's because mm. we've had to cooperate as a group, as a whole population, and we've had this very sort of, you know, rigorous messaging. Um, yes. it's really elevated. You know, we we're going to have this conversation about the flu deaths we have every year, and we're going to have this conversation about. Um, what is going to become our new norm in time, but it has mm. become an enormous thing because of the way the national message to the whole population has had to be framed. So that's almost that's given ours. in some ways an, an outsized fear, as we said. And, and how will that be impacting on some young people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the younger you are, I think especially between those ages of like around four up to about eight that generation, they're still they've got enough cognition to understand what's going on, but they don't really have that concept of what is reality, what is historical, what is a wee bit fantasy. So yeah, they must it must for them be painting quite a world of um, Big Brother, you know, everyone doing as the government says, being controlled by a central force. Um, really, that's down to the parents' messaging. Again, if the parents normalise it um, and talk about times um, before COVID, what it's likely to be like after COVID. It is really about how we frame that with the yeah. kids. So just be conscious of the fact that young people don't aren't, aren't secure in the same worldview that we are. So they, they, they to haven't had as many'
0: they had as many rodeos. Hey listen, um, a couple <laughs> I want to try and sneak in quickly if we could. Uh, this is yeah, very broad, sure. but you might be able to bullet point it for Sally. She's asking what can teachers do to help kids ease back in?
1: Yeah, I think they can use ritual. You know, um, if you've got a school song, make sure they're singing that song every morning. When they come into the classroom, try and have the teacher there, try and greet every child by name. makes a huge um, difference if you are coming into the classroom and someone greets you by name, especially on that first morning. Um, Yeah, have a ritual every morning that welcomes the kids into the class. It's sort of a mindfulness exercise that brings them in and centres them into that space. Um, I would also, as a teacher, I would be enhancing predictability. So whenever the environment's predictable, kids are a whole lot calmer. So let them know exactly what's going to be happening for the rest of the day. You know what the what the routine is, what the co is, because predictability will calm things down. So ritualise them coming in, good predictability, and try and limit transitions. You know, um, if you know if they usually all break up into different groups and go to a different teacher on a Wednesday and a Thursday afternoon, and we don't really need to do that um, this week. Maybe keeping with the same teacher as much as possible. The less transitions there are, the more settled. Um, kids tend to be that's right across the age group
0: great stuff and a quickie very practical how do you get a seven and ten year old to clean teeth etc before school rather than read books play with kitten especially a ten year old also to take pills that he needs medically
1: okay yeah to get them to brush their teeth i mean what the research tells us is to use our reward system there's no point punishing them so give them some sort of reward system where they, you know they get a gold star every time they brush their teeth in the morning without being asked to and when they've got, you know, depending on the child, when they've got three gold stars, they get this reward. Rewarding the positive behaviour is what the research tells us is the, you know, one of the most effective things. Um, yeah, And again, help them as much as possible. Make it as easy as possible for them to be achieving that. So rather than just completely wait for it, you know, um, remind them beforehand or talk out loud about someone else brushing the teeth. Do what you can to help them achieve getting that done. Because you want to get the routine up and running. Once they've actually got up and brushed their teeth, you know, a few weeks in a row in the morning, it becomes a whole lot easier because they're in that routine. So help
0: get that routine set up is reward. Excellent. Thank you as always. Namihi, Nathan Wallace.